I'm gonna grow a mustache. We all paid the price. <laughs> I'm committing. I am committing for the summer to have a mustache. This when I come back, you're going to be like, hey, you're going to need those glasses because you're going to go, is that Tom Selleck? <laughs> That's exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to think when I see you <laughs> next. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. The head football coach, Kalani Satake, joins us live. What's up? Coach, great to have you with us on Media Day. It's like you just did this with Dave McCann and walked down the hall. Yeah, I mean, this is exciting for me, but I, I like being around you guys, so... Uh, this this is a, the setting that I enjoy more than anything. And you have a much more comfortable chair, just so you know. <laughs> Instead of the director's chair. I've been chair, trying to get yeah. that director's chair changed for a lot. I yeah. mean, this, this body doesn't fit well in that chair, but uh, thank you for providing this chair. When we started the Satake show in the air, uh, we, we decided it had to be Mo Longy tested. So that was the idea that even Mo Longy could, could work with those chairs. But we didn't discuss comfort. It was just, would the chair stay up? Yeah, it's just one of those things. I guess we choose the look over the comfort. So that, but the, when Welcome people look TV. at me, they they know that's not something that I'm going to choose. <laughs> Although Personally. you are wearing shoes today, not sandals, so it is a more formal day. Comfort well, this first. isn't this isn't a Zoom call, so I can. <laughs> otherwise, I'd be in shorts. Are you somewhat professional? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, Kalani. Yeah. All right, let's begin with the most important question. What's giving you more pause right now? A baby coming up uh, next month. Congratulations to you and your wife, Timberly, by Thank the way. You. Or the actual football season. Uh, you know, there's just excitement for both. And so I'm I, I, uh, really excited about this team. I know Jeremy had mentioned it before, but I, I'm excited too. And, uh, and, and and all the players that are coming back, the production that's coming back, and, and also the depth that's coming back. I, so I'm really excited about the team. But at the same time, I'm so excited to get to, to be a, a, you know, father of an infant again because i it's always those moments where i miss holding my kids and, yes and now they're they're um they're my kids are older now so they're 18 15 and my daughters are 18 15 sky and sadie and my my son's almost 12 kk is almost 12 so there's i kind of miss holding them in my arms yeah. you know and now i get this back but i mean the, if they want to the, i'd love to still hold them but they just don't want it, <laughs> still want it yeah yeah they're like yeah. too cool yeah. hey sky like, come here it's like yeah. dad stop people are watching you know stuff like that but no but the, i know the whole family's excited I, timberley's really excited about the baby coming and uh it's it's less than a month so we'll see you any, any day now and um that that's going to be exciting but it's going to fit right with our lives where we're going from that to fall camp to the season and uh, a lot of excitement and energy going into this. Heaven's timing was pretty interesting there a couple weeks before fall camp, which is uh, pretty good. And you pulled off the double that's very rare, the first graduating from high school kid and the baby in the same year. That's, yeah, a, that's a rare feat. Congratulations. Ask me how, how, how I feel in 18 years when, 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 this, when this baby girl graduates from high school. I already did the math. I'm like, I'll be 64. You're, you're going to be the old dad. You're yeah. going to be the old dad. That's I'll be okay. old and hip still. Though. I'll exactly, try to, yeah. I'll still gritty. I don't know exactly. if I'll be in by then, but you know, but we'll still do it. Spencer, we'll figure out some dances Let's to go. do. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. I'm, the, I'm with you. The, I'm the gritty, all in on that. The I, gritty uh, dude, the person that made it up, uh, tweeted out or Instagram yes. comment out. In fact, the last you. time when that happened, Kalani was on the show. That's right. That's, okay. So <laughs> I thought about this. Yeah. Uh, as the, the older I get, dancing dads, Kalani. You want to join me in this TikTok movement? You, you were dancing, in a viral dancing TikTok dads? As Yeah. A dancing my, dad? my daughter, Sadie, was at, um, we did it like a yeah. daddy's daughter's weekend, and, and the dads were all there. We thought we did do this. Dance thing, and I'm, you know me. I'm not going to turn it down. So I mean, <laughs> I, I think uh, for me, it's not not going to be pretty, but there's going to be energy in it, and we're going to have a lot of fun. 
Listen, sometimes that's a football game, too. You just got to figure out how to win it. That's not going to be pretty, right. but there's so, many, energy, so right? many parallels in life going into this season, right? So 100%. Okay, so let's talk about what makes you excited about 22. Because part of the reason we get excited in preseason is because we think we know something about the team. Yeah. Obviously, you got to roll out, you got to play. But last year felt like this incredible showing of, okay, we got into the Big 12. We ended the streak against Utah. Played all these Power 5, 6-1. and one. The hope is that's not an outlier where it's like, that's as good as it gets. The hope mm-hmm. is that's the new norm that you can at least approximate that as you enter the Big 12. So what are you, what are you most excited about? What if you feel like you know about this team that maybe makes you excited? Well, the, the thing that I'm really excited about is that we had such, a lot of success last year. Um, and then we experienced a lot of injuries still. And, and that was a disappointment. But before, we'd, we'd experience these injuries and we would lose a lot of games. I, I still think that... Uh, you know, the bowl game, I wish we, would, we could get that one back. But um, really proud of the guys that were out there and played and performed. And you're seeing the guys that were on the field in that game now, it's night and day in how they look, you know, and how they're running and how they're performing in offseason conditioning. So uh, I imagine that our team's going to be deeper and better and we have more experience going into the year. But at the same time, the, the excitement for me I, – I, I want to be able to. When we had Andy Reid over, and he he did he talked to our team. He he mentioned a bunch of uh, a couple of pillars that helped him uh, find success in, in football and shared it with the team. And the one that stood out the most was he said, he said avoid distractions. Mm. And so, even though we're excited about the Big Twelve and excited about t- 2023, yeah, I think it's really important that it's okay to acknowledge that, but that but that we focus on this year in 2022. There's there's some young men on our team that aren't going to be playing in the Big Twelve. Um, they're really excited about the future, but I, I think if we keep distracting the group and, and focus on other things besides this team, then we can be in trouble. But uh, knowing ahead of time, and it was nice that Andy Reid was able to remind me as a coach, but also remind everyone else as on the team that, that hey, we, we have a lot of things to accomplish, and we have accomplished much, but there's still more for us to get to. Yeah. And I think that's where the excitement is, what else is out there, and what else can we do to get this team rolling? And and that we we feel like we're we're at a different uh, different space now than we were a few years back. Totally, you can feel it. Yeah, um, and and it feels like the 2018-19, like the puppies that are now seniors. Yeah, they were beating Tennessee and USC and Wisconsin, but they were seven and six in back back years. So we didn't quite know those were the growing pains to get to this point. And then we're gonna look back on COVID as this terrible thing for the world, right? But this blessing to this program where you went out and competed and this program really grew from there. And then last year you validated that. And then this year you're going to continue that. That I, I don't know. It just feels like a really special era we're in right now. Yeah. Do you feel the well, same way? I think it's, it's just uh, a, a huge compliment to the people that we have mm-hmm. in athletics, in the school leadership. Right with our president, vice president, and the, the administration, but also in the administration with our athletic, athletic department. I don't think enough credit goes to all the outside people. I think uh, I want to keep the credit on our players and our assistant coaches that have done an amazing job and our support staff. But you look at what's been done in, in, in regards of our, our school through independence, through all the, the naysayers and things like that. And now we're in a position to really accomplish a lot of things um, and with some cool things happening in the future, right? But the uh, for me, it's like, okay, let's just try to keep as humble and as hungry as we possibly can. And that's got to be from me and from the coaches, but the players and the leaders have got to happen. And, and if we can find a way to stay healthy, it's great, crazy because Lavelle used to always say that. If we could be healthy, I think we have a good chance of being good. And, and that, I, I, that means more than it just sounds like. You know what I mean? There's so <laughs> much sure. more meaning to it. It's like, sure. okay, 
but if if we do get hurt, I feel like we're still in a good place, right? And and um, going into that, there's still some questions with this team. I can't wait to answer them. I said it in the last thing. I can't wait. I, there were questions. How many questions did we have last year going into the season? Oh man, more, than this, more than this year. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so maybe let's try to. There's always going to be questions because people are going to always have to have that approach to what we're trying to do as a team. But it, I think what we've shown is that we do have answers now, and and with things that are progressing the way it's looking, and the addition of resources and things like that, the energy's up there, and it's finally matching what the fans are expecting yeah. and what they their standard. I, I I went back to saying the same thing that the thing that was no doubt never in question was that we have the best fan base and we have an amazing fan base that's definitely big time and now everything's catching up with it and then we wouldn't be here if our fan base didn't take care of us and didn't love us so much i mean i i'm part of that i grew up byu so did you guys right so yep. we get it and and um to have a person that's running the running the football team grow up as a byu fan his whole life i mean that's uh, there's i can name rosters for certain years so obviously the one was a good year but you know that that's how we grew up but the the, the fans out there are no different than us you know, so I think they can really connect with you guys hosting the show and me running the program. They're like, okay, they're actually fans doing it too. We're so, in this together. Yeah, yeah. And, and and we can get all the help we can get, right? So I, I'll take all the help I can get. And going into this season, we're going to need it, and it's going to be a lot of fun, but we're looking forward to making fans happy. He is a bundle of energy. He's a TikTok star. He's a bona fide BYU fan, and he's food, also... Food influencer. Throw that in there. Yeah, that's... that's food what... influencer. He's offers to be the head football coach of BYU, Kalani Sataki on BYU Sports Nation. It is Media Day 2022. Okay, uh, Jerem referenced 6-1 and one against 7 Power 5s last year, 5-0 and oh against the Pac-12. We hung a banner in here, de facto Pac-12 South champions. But it's what we do. We're fans! <laughs> it's, 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 those are the types of things that, that we do, fun. Kalani. But what did last year's schedule against, I mean, just an onslaught of really good opponents teach you about how to handle the schedule this year in 2022, which is loaded again, and then those future Big 12 schedules? That, that we're equipped to, to get things set. And, and sometimes... Listen, I, I'm impatient as anyone else out there, but sometimes things take time. I mean, there, there are times where you, we saw the first three, four, five games on our schedule, and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's so heavy. It's so loaded up front. And that would – we everyone's just trying to find ways of give, give me sympathy. I'm like, dude, it's okay. This is what we need to do. So you look at the first part of the season last year, we were equipped to answer that. It, it took a couple of years for us to get it going. Now the question is, like, let's not forget those lessons, and then let's let's learn some other things, and let's try to fine tune this baby. You know, let's let's get this as good as and smooth running as we can, and make sure that this machine becomes a juggernaut. Uh, PFF uh, just a moment ago put out the top uh, draft, uh, you know, tackles. Blake Freeland at four. He's getting a lot of buzz. How good can Blake Freeland be, and what's it been like to see his development from the kid you just kind of threw in against Boise State 2019 to first round potential? Well, I, I give a lot of credit to our coaches for recruiting him and seeing him, and and uh, I mean the, the the guy that that was basically on board from the very beginning was Ed Lamb, who 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 has a, I mean we played with Jim Freeland, right? So we know his dad and his mom, and and so he's a legacy kid, and and but to see that this guy he was. You look at Blake was playing quarterback in high school, and to see this 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 tall skinny kid, um, and project him as an NFL tackle, we all saw it. We could see that it could happen, but um, it's having that type of vision that Ed has and that our coaches have, being able to project people, and then just believing in them. And 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 you know, Blake was able to do some amazing things uh, leading up to that freshman year where he played against Boise, his first start against a uh, draft pick. 
you know, from Boise State. So you're looking at him, it's a, he, he's one of many that we feel like are, are done a great job yeah. uh, developing. And um, he's bought into the program. He's bought into being a leader now. And I'm really proud of him, just like I am of others that, that, that are just gaining a lot of attention. My job now is to keep him humble. And like, let's keep working. Just remember the, the the kid that was questioned when you came into the season, and no one without any O line experience that you may one day be be a top draft pick. Yeah. Let's go back to the lessons and stay humble and hungry. And I think we do that with the program. And for myself, all of us need to keep being reminded of humility. And we do that. I think it will work out. Yeah, he's not the only one getting significant attention. Clark Barrington as well on the offensive line. Jaron Hall, oh, yeah. Puka Nakua, Isaac Lots Rex, among others. It's a huge talent pool. A lot, a lot of NFL guys on this team. Yes. We've been saying that we wanted yes. a roster full of NFL talent. Brigham Young said the Saints will be cursed with riches one day. Right now, you got to avoid <laughs> counting your money, right, before uh, before it goes to the bank. Let's go. Uh, oh, Kalani, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for hanging out on Media yeah, Day. good to see you, man. Good luck the rest of the way. Let's give some karma to survive the rest of Media Day. Oh, Media Day's fun. Are you kidding me? I get to get, get a nice haircut. Uh, I can show people how much weight I've gained. Sympathy weight. <laughs> you know, you're a good husband if your wife's pregnant and you're gaining weight Absolutely. with her. Yeah, 100%. so I'm going to do that. Now. But I'm looking forward to trying to lose it. I don't, I don't know if I can make any promises, but I'm happy and enjoying life, and, and we're excited about the season. You can always, the baby. You can always dance good. off some of that weight. I, I know I need to. Let's go, man. I don't know. The dancers nowadays are a little bit limited. They, the old running man to the new running man that tells you how much effort yes, you put into yes, it. Exactly. So, thanks, thanks guys. Go Cougs. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's Trending, presented by Tim Daly Nissan, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU football seeking greatness in its independence finale. As we alluded to just a moment ago, today we will discuss what BYU needs to do to make it the greatest season of independence. Jerem, you're the first to answer it, at least in this public forum. Hold on, there's a fly. Okay. I think I can get it. <laughs> there's a fly swatter oh. in here. We'll get it later. Where is it? It's Talk. right in front focus, of me. Jared. It was sitting focus, there. Focus, focus, Jerem. I can get it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Got it. Okay, now that uh, you oh, so distracting. That's not distracting you. I took a shower today. Okay. What does BYU football have it's to do? Dead. <laughs> You're like a four-year-old. I love it. I don't want to buzz it around <laughs> distracting people from my amazing opinion here. <laughs> <laughs> what does BYU football have to do in its last season of independence to make it the greatest? There's the dead fly. Uh, viewer discretion advised, okay? Viewer discretion advised. Uh, that's the first of its kind on this program. Okay, first off, I have to tell you what year I think is the best so that you understand how it can be topped. Okay. Okay? The best year was last year, 2021. Let me tell you why. That lost to UAB in the bowl tell game? Tell me why. No, that went 6-1 and one versus Power 5s and okay. finished top 25. And I had three the first losses? since 09. The first season since 09. <laughs> We're all the no, no, yeah, no, no, sorry, no. 2020. Yeah, yeah, 2020. I just strength of schedule was too awesome in 21 in terms of power fives. You beat a power five champ, you ended the nine year streak against Utah. You had three wins versus teams with eight plus wins. By the way, BYU in 2020 beat zero teams that were four games plus above 500 in 2020, right? Not everyone even played the same amount of games. Th- those Tyler Algiers' record breaking season, um, it was incredible. I-, I think last year was the best year. I, I get the argument for 2020 as well. I just think 21. I value the strength of schedule and 
ending the streak versus Utah and power fives and da da da. So to to surpass that in my mind, eleven and two would do it. Because I think you have a stronger group of Power 5 teams on this. You can't, you're not just beating up on the lowly Pac-12 like last year. I kid. But we had some fun with that. But, like, if you, if you can pull off a couple wins that include, like, if BYU goes 11-2, and two, that means you, you beat Notre Dame or Arkansas or Baylor or Oregon. Like, you sure. won two of those, uh, which is notable. I think, I think that happens, right? Um, I'm, I'm excited. 10-3 and three probably wouldn't do it because you don't have the Utah win sitting there. Utah's not on this schedule. They would rather play uh, Florida. So the Utah win really, really did it for me last year. But, yeah, if BYU pulls off 11-2 and two with these five power fives um, and you get at least three of those and you avoid some G5 losses, which BYU did not last year. They had more okay. G5 losses than power five losses. That could do it. So this is interesting because 10-3. and three, you saw, So 10-3 and three with a more difficult schedule. Probably no. Would not beat last year's ten and three. Well, is not B- comprehending this. Is BYU ending a nine-year nine-game streak against Utah? And will they beat a Power Five champ? Like that—that that, that was a big win against Utah. Also, BYU beat. If you go ten and three and you're playing four teams that are probably going to be ranked above you when the season starts, there's a good chance that to go ten and three, you probably have to beat a conference champ. Arkansas ain't winning the SEC. Notre Dame doesn't play in a league. Is Oregon going to win the Pac-12? Or- Oregon, I don't. I maybe. Maybe. Baylor is not going to win the Big 12. Like, I don't think you have a Power 5 champion there. Stanford ain't doing it. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing for me. BYU lost to two Group 5 teams. They lost to a mediocre Boise State team at home. Okay, that, as good, as amazing as the wins were, that's a tarnished part of the record. And then you lost the bowl game to UAB. That probably is the ultimate sway for me. It's like... Ah, I you just said, can't. I cannot yes. say that 2021 was the best in independence because you lost to UAB in the bowl game, and you have three losses compared to only one loss in 2020. And I know you're arguing the you're arguing the worst loss. I argued the best win. What's the best win of 2020? At Boise State, BYU never done it, and they crushed them. Boise State was five and two. Five and two. What's wrong with five and two? What's you only wrong with five and two? They only played seven, but like they still have the winning games. percentage. You didn't play anybody. Okay, like, so the win at Boise State doesn't mean anything. You played one team that won seven BYU or more. Lost like to, you beat BYU one lost team to a worse Boise State team at home in 2021 than the team they beat at Boise State in 2020. There's no argument you, about that. Yeah, straight up. That just we'll never know how good 2020 really was because they didn't. They they did an awesome job of playing the schedule they had to play. They what, crushed UCF. played an actual tough schedule and was awesome. Yes, they failed in a couple of moments. But, but BYU's not going 12-1 and one in the modern era, like against a real schedule. It's just too hard. You're going to lose a couple of games. And I would rather have lost those games. Like, would you rather have lost to Boise State or Arizona State? I'd rather have the good win than the, than the okay loss. Because losing to Boise State is an acceptable Lost. Oh, we all. UAB love, is not. We exactly. It's not, and that it's to not. me is the. Sw- that's what swings it. It's not. So yeah, I value the great win. You value. You value the poor loss in the conversation. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Live in Studio B, QB1, What's Karen up? Hall. Welcome back on Media Day, man. Oh, man. We're, not, we're not running that one back, though. Are we on here? We're gonna show that one? The title no. play. We're not. We're not you gonna... don't want to? 
Are you? Wait, you're tired of seeing it? What are you saying? I mean, I love watching Tyler. They just cut me out of it and just show Tyler. Listen, oh, you don't like that repeat. you threw a pick. Yeah. Jaron, you were just, we just, started you were just doing yeah. Tyler a favor yeah. so that he had the top pinnacle moment in his film. It's, it's true, though. Right? It's true. I it's, don't get enough credit for it that. It was a tender mercy <laughs> that you gave to Tyler. <laughs> that, oh, tell us about that because we've never actually asked you about that. Like, the sprint after that. Oh, because well, first, Ty Tyler blew by me. I mean, I was pretty slow that game. He blew by me. Punched the ball out, and I was just right there, a little present, you know. But the fact that you're in that position is wild. Yeah, we haven't just, seen every BYU quarterback chase after in that moment. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, you make a mistake that big. I mean, you got to do. You got to make, make up for it, right? So it worked out for me. Could have been a lot worse. <laughs> that was a great. Play. That, that's a that's a sort of season defining moment because mm -hmm. they're about to take the lead and oh, they've yeah. got the momentum. Yeah. Who knows? Hopefully, Who knows you come back happened. and win that game. But yeah. if not, sort of the week after Utah, yeah. it becomes a little mm -hmm. different. Yep. So that was a big moment. It's crazy. Know? Love that guy, Ty. Special dude. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be awesome to watch him uh, with the Falcons. Yeah, for sure. We're looking forward to that in his rookie season. Uh, you, of course, have your own pro football aspirations. But first things first, the 2022 schedule for BYU. We've been talking to your coaches and teammates about the specifics within the season and the schedule that just kind of have you most excited, like feeling the most anticipation. So for you, what is that? It's all exciting, but what's at the top of the list? Like, oh, yeah. man, I cannot wait for this. Yeah, getting out of Tampa, playing USF week one uh, back in the Buccaneers Stadium. It's uh, For me, it's where it all start, started my freshman year. It was my first time starting a game, so just to go back there um, again will be very special um, with a new group of guys, very experienced, ready to play. It'll be fun. Do you feel like there was a certain waiting period for you in your career here that benefited you in a way to be ready for 21? Obviously, you would have loved to have played very early. Yeah. But in the, in the history of BYU quarterbacks, the guy that got thrown in early didn't always succeed. He mm -hmm. needed to kind of get his shot as an upperclassman. Yeah, I think just that COVID year, uh, being hurt during that baseball season and then obviously not recovering in time for the season, um, I think was the biggest thing for me, just to sit back, watch all the success that, that those guys had, um, to watch Zach ball out, to see some of the things he did very well um, from the last season, and just learn from him and everybody else. I think that was the biggest thing for me that really helped boost my confidence um, in myself to see the things I could do better, but then also just see all that kind of develop within our team, and then just continue that with that momentum. And uh, and remind me, you didn't you didn't even wear pads that season. Nah, no. Nope. So so complete pressure off to enter that game. Did yeah. you see the game differently because of that? Maybe. One hundred percent. I think I was far more relaxed. I mean, I was still. I mean, nervous every game. The guys are playing. It's, it's, but but for me, just to be able to be on the sideline, not worry about all the prep. And just focus on what was going on in the moment. Seeing it all happen was just a different way. I've never seen football that way. Um, and it just helped me just see a, a lot of things about myself that could help. It's rare to go from I'm not thinking, I'm not the backup to mm -hmm. I'm the starter. Yeah. Right? That, that was a unique moment for you. Jaron Hall is with us on BYU Sports Nation. It's no secret you've been working with John Beck. Uh, he has been a mentor and uh, been spending a lot of time with you. How has working with him changed you the most as a quarterback? Yeah, just seeing how you got to train game-like every day. Um, the biggest thing with him, you know, is, is outside the mechanics, which he's, I mean, the best at, and his group of guys are the best at seeing with all the guys they work with is the importance of training uncomfortably in the summer because in the game you're going to be throwing like that. You're not going to be in a clean pocket all the time. I mean, knock on wood. With with line, line, maybe. I mean, you never know. <laughs> but uh, typically you're going to be moving around. You're going to be in bad situations, and you got to be able to train your body to get back to where it needs to be in split seconds and then deliver the ball accurately. So that's the thing we, we work on that um, has been hard and it's been a work in progress for me. Um, but over the last year and a half, it's been something that's become more comfortable and, and I'm confident this season that will show up a lot better. The natural follow-up is, did you drive or fly to visit John <laughs> well, We've Beck. answered this. 
AI flew every single time. I will never drive to California. Pattern of efficiency, time. right, Jared? I, I, I put this out on Twitter, and people were like, but what is ESPN going to talk about? Yeah, they're uh, going to talk about our old line. <laughs> Let them talk about that. Did, did John ever come to you in Provo? Was that a thing that Yeah, so he's happened? been here a couple times now. Nice. Yep. Yep. A little easier than yes. flying down there. Yes, yes. Save now, a couple bucks. Yeah, and and what like obviously BYU fans know John Beck, mm-hmm. but John John actually got hired by the Jets to work with Zach personally, mm-hmm. kind of like Russell Wilson is working uh, with Jake Heaps. Right. Um, so what what are the things that you've learned the most that you were like, oh yeah, I put that in the game and it really helped me because last year was I, I don't think we've uh, properly categorized how good it was. It was amazing. Yeah, last year was great. Um, I mean, again, just some of those similar things, just game-like reps, game-like preparation, um, not being com- uh, not comfortable, not being too relaxed while you're playing. A lot of quarterbacks get in a, a good rhythm, and they try to stay in that rhythm, but it's, in reality it's not going to happen very much. Staying so, relaxed. Yeah, I mean, staying in rhythm. Oh, staying in rhythm, relaxed, yeah. But learning how to play fast and play at your full tempo is the most important thing. Did you do the Dak Prescott, like, hitch pregame thing? <laughs> was that ever a... Yes, I did. Do you I do did. you warm up with that? Yeah, you just don't catch yeah, it on yeah, camera. Oh yeah, we do. I just stay away from you guys. No, no, I do it in the locker <laughs> I'm not room. looking for you know, it. I'm in the hotel doing it. I'm in the locker room. No, no. no I just uh, yeah, I do it. Though. Unique. Just never caught it. Sure. What, what does it do? Open up the hips or something? Yeah, it just works on training the hips, the upper body separating, having the white uh, the weight in the right places as you're throwing. If you haven't yeah. seen this, just just Google Dak Prescott pregame warm up. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. the first thing it, that will pop up. It looks weird, but it's super effective. Yeah. Okay, your offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick, said you've really spent a lot of time working on your body in the offseason, and yeah. he's never seen you in such peak physical condition. <laughs> so what did you do, and how has that translated? How is your body different now yeah. compared to what you've been in the past? Uh, first, I just got a team around me, a lot of different people that know different parts about the body in different ways. Um, I just took a full-on team approach. Um, I have a lot of just a lot of specialists working different things with me. Um, and then, you know, just my diet, the way I eat, the way I take care of myself during the week, sleeping. Um, just a combination, a lot of stuff I've known I should have been doing for years, and all kids know they should. Uh, but for one reason or another, you just don't do it as a college kid sometimes. Sometimes but, uh, you just want the midnight shake. What, yeah. what, are, we ta- what are we talking about Dangerous. specifically? As in? Uh, are you talking nutrition, sleep? What are you yeah, about? nutrition specifically is a big thing, and then sleep. And I think getting married uh, has been the best thing for me. You know, me and my wife get to bed pretty early now to put the baby down. So, um, yeah. That's the biggest thing, sleep and nutrition. That's awesome. Yeah. Last year, there was still sort of a quarterback battle going mm-hmm. into the fall. How has this offseason been knowing you're the guy? Uh, same focus for me, honestly. you got to find, if you don't have someone you know, that is pushing you like it was for four years, with me, Zach, Baylor type of deal, um, to be crowned the guy already, you got to find something that makes you push yourself. You can't just sit there and say, I'm the guy, I'm going to just yeah. go cruise through it. you got to have another thing to be competitive with. So what is it for find you? That, is to be the best in the country, right? Mm-hmm. You find the other guys you work out with, the other guys you know, and you compete against them. Um, and that's been my, my, best, my greatest motivation for me. Are a few of them training with John, where you get to interact? Yeah, yeah. Who are, some, who are some of the other guys? Uh, Bryce Young's one I've worked with. Um, Heisman Trophy winner, right? Alabama. The best there is right there, right? So, and then uh, Jake Hayner recently. Um, Keaton Slovis, um, just to name a few guys, but you get some of the best. And then, you know, chance to see NFL guys throw at times. It's, uh, it's cool. That's cool. Mel Kuyper, NFL draft expert, speaking of great quarterbacks, has you as the number six NFL QB prospect. What's the Pretty key awesome. to managing expectations for your team and your season this year while that stuff's going on on the back burner? How do you handle that? Just disregard all that stuff. It's poison. Just, you got to learn. You're going to see it. You're going to hear about it, right, obviously, but you got to learn to be. Uh, mature enough to just let it bounce off you, the good stuff and the bad stuff. None of it can get in your head. You just got to stay focused, keep a chip on your shoulder. And for our team collectively with 
you know, two years of, of good success. Um, I think that's the focus. Just keep a chip on our shoulder. This is what Kalani was talking about. He's just keeping. Yes, yeah, so avoid distractions. Andy Ray said, but <laughs> yeah. we have five hours of poisonous TV. We got to put together. <laughs> week, just so you know, we're, we're going to feel good about yourselves. <laughs> yes, exactly. So much poison. Yeah. Thanks, Jaron. Great to have you on the show. Thank Thanks, Kalani. My pleasure. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Jim, it's great to have you for the first time in Studio B on BYU Sports Nation, back in part with BYU Football Media Day and in Provo, Utah. It's so great to see you. Well, it's good to be back in town. It's definitely the first time I've been in the studio. Welcome, man. So yeah. It's good to be here. Listen, Steve Young has been claiming that he's the greatest guest to ever be in Studio B, but uh, now, now you've it's usurped him. Yeah, it's, it's being challenged. Steve's a Hall of Famer, so he can, he can do that. <laughs> <laughs> you also need to be complimented for, because we're social media guys, for stepping up your Twitter game. This is, this is a, a, a venture that you've taken on recently, and uh, you've really grown your following. Well, it's uh, not, not because of me. I mean, I don't... Uh, I look at it once in a while, but I've got people handling that for me. I don't, you know, I'm not uh, an everyday guy on that thing, so I, don't, I still don't understand it. I don't we know. hope we to be in a position one day where we can have someone handling our Twitter. Yeah, one day. We barely understand <laughs> it too, Jim. It's all good. Um, obviously, you're in a boot here. How are you doing physically right now? Well, I was doing great for until seven months ago. You know, I just had a routine surgery to remove some bone spurs and a little bone off my ankle, and uh, three days later, I woke up burning and bleeding, and uh, I was infected. I had to go back in the hospital for eight days, two more surgeries, and they thought about cutting my foot off. So I'm, wow. at least I'm glad there's a boot on there and there's a foot. So it's been seven months on crutches and mm. still not walking, but uh, at least I have a foot. Yeah, that's right. absolutely great perspective, and uh, we hope to see you back on the golf course and up and about very, very soon. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get back out there and, and beat some guys in the game that uh, you're playing after football, right? Well, um, I'm, I'm hoping to be playing in Tahoe in three weeks. Um, that's my goal. And uh, you can't use carts there, so it's going to be a struggle getting to my ball. But, you know, if I have to crawl, I'm going. It, this will be my 33rd year in a row. Mm. It's, it's mm. only been myself and Jack Wagner been to every one. So I can't let an actor outdo me. It's <laughs> a good streak. to show up. It's a good streak, man. Yeah. Now, as you mentioned, it's a special occasion to have you back in Provo. For you, what's it like now to know that when you walk into Lavelle Edwards Stadium, your name's up there. It's retired. The number nine is there. What does that mean to you? Well, I had some great years here. I, you know, I had a lot of uh, a lot of fun with uh, my teammates and coaches, and uh, we had a lot of success. and And to see my name finally up there is, I didn't think it ever happened because I didn't think I'd ever graduate. But uh, I finally, you know, took those last five classes and got it done. I think six, seven years ago, something like that. Yep. And, uh, it was a big burden off my shoulders, and and you know, I promised Lavelle and my folks that I'd get it done. And uh, I was glad to do it before, you know, we, we ended up losing them. So it's nice to be up there. Where'd you get that suit you wore at uh, graduation that year? That was the most outlandish, oh, amazing uh, suit. Yeah, yeah. yeah just the jacket, a, yeah. Just a jacket from a company that just sends me stuff. <laughs> I, I need to get my hands on that thing. That was, that was incredible, man. Yeah, those are, I like color. Yeah. You know? I, I've never Black asked you. Black and white's not real, you know. Yeah. It's too bland for me. Yeah. Uh, I, we've never asked you about this, but in 2014, in the game where at halftime, you are, uh, you know, honored. Taysom Hill breaks his leg in the first half, and there's kind of this weird vibe in the stadium. But we were all so excited to have you there. What was that like for you? Because obviously it's this huge moment for you. But it was also a weird vibe in the stadium because Taysom gets hurt. Uh, right and, I, and I think we ended up losing that night. Too. Uh -huh. I think it was to Utah State. If I'm you were the one correct. win that night. And 
I think the last time they had lost to Utah State was when I was playing here. So it was a <laughs> it was kind of a bittersweet night. <laughs> you know, but uh, it brought back some memories. But yeah, uh, yeah it was nice. To, it was a nice night. Yeah, they did a great job. Yeah. Now, Jeremy and I were talking this morning about everything that you did at such a high level at BYU, uh, including at one point punting the ball. Some were you, people forget this. Yeah, were you yeah. an underrated punter? Uh, well, I, my average wasn't all that good. I think it was like 39 yards or something. But you know, we didn't really have to punt a whole lot back then. You know, we, uh, my freshman year we had Gifford Nielsen, you know, All-American QB, and uh, Mark Wilson was after him. So you know, we didn't we didn't punt a whole lot. I, I probably maybe 20 times. I I, I don't even rem remember my stats, but. Uh, I was just I was just happy to make the varsity, you know, in some capacity. And so, you know, Gifford got hurt, I think the fourth game of that year. So I, all of a sudden I'm the backup. But I'm <laughs> again I was still punting, and and uh, I got in a couple games my freshman year, but nothing spectacular. Didn't you punt left-footed one time? It's just did that happen? That happened over in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was a game I probably I wasn't supposed to play, and I kept saying I, you know my arm was hurting, which it was. I uh, ended up throwing like 60-some balls that night, even though I wasn't supposed to <laughs> play. But, yeah, the, the center hiked it over my head, and when I chased it down, I happened to just turn to my left, or to my right, actually. So I'm running towards our sideline, and, and the guy chasing me, if I were to try to kick it, you can't stop and kick it. The guy would block the punt, so I just kept running. And, you know, I'd, I'd kick a few things around with my left feet before, so... To me, it wasn't that big a deal. I was just trying to get, you know, just get it anywhere that way, yeah. right? And it ended up down on the one-yard line. <laughs> That's a pretty good punt. Yeah. That's one of my favorite. Yeah, I hadn't heard it from you, but I'd heard this the Jim McMahon left-footed punt story, which is awesome. Why was your arm hurting? Just too much Frisbee on the beach the day before? No, it was uh, – I've had shoulder problems ever since high school. I had yeah. it dislocated originally in high school, and just over the years, all the throwing and, and uh, you know, using your arm, it just wore it down and wore it down. And, so eventually, you know, in the pros, it finally got it fixed. But I played quite a few years with a bad shoulder. Did you did you play 80 and 81 with a bad shoulder then? You just muscled through it? Yeah, it's, it's been bad for a long time. Mm. You broke so all that, those NCAA records with a bad shoulder. Well, I mean, I didn't feel a whole lot. You know, amazing what painkillers do. <laughs> that and adrenaline, you know. You yep, get out sure. there on game day, just, you, you forget a lot of pain. So I didn't, I didn't think about it once I was out there. Are you saying with two good eyes and two good shoulders, you could have broken even more I records? Been okay. Yeah. You might have been all right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ty couldn't have reached some of those records. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Ty broke them all in. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The humble Jim McMahon with the zombie. Oh, Sports seriously. Station. I think about it. Yeah. The, the, the eye and shoulder crazy. Everything, uh, all the records that you broke and everything that you accomplished, what means the most to you? What, uh, that you accomplished at BYU? <coughs> What's the feat that you accomplished at BYU that means the most to you? Uh, winning the first bowl game mm. for Coach Edwards, uh, first and second. Uh, that was, a, you know, they'd been, I don't know how many bowl games before that. We'd been to a couple of uh, holiday bowls before that. Didn't get it done. So winning that first one, that was something I'll, I'll always remember. And the iconic, of course, uh, <clears throat> you know, it kind of starts with you guys are going to punt and you in no uncertain terms come over to the sideline and say, we're not punting in friendly BYU TV uh, verse there. What do you remember from that sequence of the, the competitor, perhaps the most competitive uh, moment for you comes out where it's like, no, I, I refuse to give up right here. Well, like I said, you know, we hadn't won a bowl game yet. And why, you know, had we punted then, the game is over. You why know, not? Why not? I'm not going to go out laying down like that, you know. <clears throat> and so, like you said, I came and <laughs> Lavelle and I had a little qu quaint discussion. <laughs> and... Uh, 
thank God he let me go back in the game because yeah. I, I didn't want to come off the field. The guy, you know, I said huddle up on fourth down, and everybody's here comes a punting team. I said, well, the hell with the punting team. We're not punting. Yeah. And uh, you know, we had to burn one of our timeouts that we would have needed later. But uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it worked out pretty good. Yeah, you got the first down. A couple plays later, you get a touchdown, get the ball back quickly, score another touchdown. When Bill Shepley blocks that punt, what's going through your mind? Well, we had, I think there was about 18 seconds left when he did that. And so I knew we had at least three plays in us, you know, the time for three plays. <coughs> and um, I just said, you know, we got back on the huddle. I said, look, we come too far now. Let's win this game, you know. And uh, the, I remember, I think it was the first pass that I threw that was, it was to Clay Brown across the middle. And it's probably the worst pass I'd thrown all year long, and thank God because the the cornerback on the offside had had let his man go and was about if I'd have led Clay with the ball, it probably would have been picked off, game over. But I threw a terrible pass behind him, and he didn't catch the one with the one hand like he did in the first mm -hmm. half. He let it go. The next one I think I threw out of bounds down the sidelines, and then you know the three seconds left, you know you got one play, and it's a play we practiced every every week. You know you just hope you never have to use it, and. Uh, it worked out to perfection. I mean, first guy down is supposed to tip it if he can't catch it. And the ball came right down to Clay. I mean, it was just like there was three or four SMU guys around him, and not one of those guys touched the ball. And I ended up playing with, with two of those defensive backs from SMU. <laughs> Wes Hopkins was one. He was a safety. I played with him in Philadelphia. And um, Reggie, was it Reggie Phillips? Reggie Phillips was the other DB. Played with him in Chicago. And we, <laughs> that conversation came up a lot. Yeah, I said, hey, how did you guys miss the ball? I mean, it was three of you guys there, and none of you touched it but Clay. It was just one of those things. I mean, it was uh, somebody was looking out for us, yeah. that's for sure. It's a sore spot for Eric Dickerson, too. Oh, Eric and I, we, I'll probably see him up in Tahoe in a few weeks, and we'll, you guys stole that game. That's, <laughs> that's all I ever hear from those guys. There's, there's a moment, and I think you've told it, uh, <laughs> but I'd love to hear from you, where, where did, with Vaisekahema, where you recreate this moment? In a practice in the NFL or something? Is that, do you recall this? Uh, briefly. We were, we were all in Philadelphia together. And, uh, one of the DBs from SMU was talking trash. After, yeah. Well, Wes was one yep. of the DBs. Yep. And, and so uh, I, I think we reenacted it. I can't remember. The Vi pulled his pants down or something and <laughs> caught down a body or something. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like Vi. <laughs> Elder sick of him right now. Yes, yes. Right? He's, yeah. Yeah. he's a big wig now. He's big time. Yeah, absolutely. Jim McMahon on BYU Sports Station. Uh, obviously, BYU moving into a new stratosphere uh, as a Power 5 team in the summer of 2023, so we're about a year away from that. Uh, when you heard that BYU was invited to the Big 12, knowing where this program was when Lavelle took over, and you in the early years with Lavelle, and now seeing what it's become, what, what did that mean to you? What, what did you feel when you found out they were going to the Big 12? Well, I think Tommy Homo's done a heck of a job here as, as the AD, and, and uh, you know, he's been trying to you know, get national recognition, although they've had it for years. Um, it seems like only the quarterbacks kind of get the, the recognition, but they've had a good program here for a long time. And I think, you know, as he keeps moving up toward different uh, leagues, that uh, people will find out, hey, this is a pretty good program they got here. You know, they, they not just throw the ball, but they've got, they've got some good athletes here. Did Tom ever pick you off in practice? <clears throat> uh, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> that was 40-something years ago. Dude. I'm having trouble with yesterday. No, no. It's all good. All good. It's, but of, speaking of Tom interceptions, he did have one in the uh, 1981 bowl game win over Washington State. So we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll give him he, some he can play, man. We, Yeah, he could play. He could play.
White guy playing DB in the NFL? That's, yeah. You got to be able to play. Daniel Sorensen and, and Tom Holm. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Zane Anderson. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about Zach Wilson. Uh, it took a long time for some, a quarterback to be drafted higher than you. Uh, Zach Wilson at two. What do you think of what he did at BYU and what he could do in the NFL, hopefully? Well, I didn't get to see him play much when he was here. I, I talked to Tom about him, and I, I respect Tom's opinion. He said, hey, this kid could play. And so I'm sure he's going to be, you know, have a successful career as long as he stays healthy. And, you know, the, the bad thing about getting drafted that high is usually the team sucks. And so yep. he's going to have to deal with some <laughs> rough, rough years, as, as I did in Chicago. Uh, first three years were not real fun, but yep. uh, after that it was, it was good. But he'll probably have the same success there. Yeah, what changed for you after those first three years? What, what was it that took you and the Chicago Bears to the next level after some struggles? Offensive linemen. Finally got some guys that could, you know, <clears throat> we drafted <clears throat> Jimbo Covert in 83. Uh, he just went in the Hall of Fame a couple years ago. Uh, Keith Van Horn was our right tackle. He'd been there a year or two when I got there. <clears throat> and then we moved a defensive player, a defensive lineman over to guard, Mark Bortz from Iowa. And I think that made a big difference for our offensive wow. line. And once we shored up that, I mean, it was, you know, Walter, Walter Payton, he played, I think, six years before I got there with that, the offensive line that he had. I don't know how he survived. You know, I, I, <laughs> my rookie year, I'd hand him the ball, and he'd make a 30-yard run that only gained one or two. Oh. He'd go from sideline to sideline, bouncing off people. He just didn't like to be tackled. But uh, it was once that line got shored up and, and uh, they started gelling, it was tough to beat us because defensively we were pretty good. Our, the hope now is that BYU can continue to do what it's been doing the last couple of years and what you guys did in the NFL, which is like almost every game there's a BYU guy, it feels like, on somebody's team having an influence. What was it like when you played to know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see a lot of my BYU guys here representing either on my team with Vi and the Eagles or, or across the field? Well, there wasn't a whole lot of them back then. You know, uh, I got to see Glenn Titanser. He was our defensive end. He ended up playing offensive line for Dallas. So I'd see him a couple times a year. Um, Vi, I got to play with again, so in uh, Philadelphia, so it was fun. Um, who else? Mark Wilson, I'd see once in a while when we played Steve, of course. Um, I think I might have been done with. Yeah, Ty was there when I when I came in. Or I was about to leave the league when Ty came in. So, <coughs> yeah, it's always fun to, to you know see your old teammates and you know rehash some some fun times. Yeah. How do you feel like the game of football, just in general, has changed the most since you were playing in the NFL to where it is now? Oh, just the rule changes. I mean, the, uh, I think it's kind of ridiculous what the quarterbacks can get away with now. You know, it's, uh, After what you had to go yeah, through, namely? Yeah, I mean, they could still take two or three steps and hit you in the head back then. But you know, now they can't hit you low, you can't hit you high. I mean, it's, it's pretty nice when you know you can step into every throw and, and not take your knees out. But, uh, that's just the way the game is now. It's like, a, it's like seven on seven pretty much with, with linemen. So uh, it would have been nice to play it in today's game because everybody's throwing it around. You know, I, when I came out, I, I got to throw it how many times a game here? And then I go to Chicago, and it took me three or four games to throw it that many times that I threw it in one game here. So <laughs> it was very boring, but, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. What do, you, what do you still to this day think back on and really cherish from your time at BYU? Uh, just you know, how much fun we had, uh, my teammates. I just lost a really close friend uh, this past year, uh, Danny Plater, mm -hmm. later Pluto, mm -hmm. the infamous Pluto. Uh, Andy Reid and I still are in contact. Uh, you know, it's just nice to just hang out and, and just remember the, 
you know, the, the old days where <coughs> BYU wasn't such a big name. You know, yeah. we, were, we were just kind of helping them out along the way, and uh, they've come a long way since then. I'm happy to report that uh, we're working on the Roy High School to BYU quarterback pipeline again. We've, we've, we're, got, we're we've, working got, on we've got that, someone yeah. in the works. He's coming from Roy High School. A quarterback Parker, from Roy. Parker uh, Kingston, yes. yeah, who's going to be a slot receiver, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He played quarterback at Roy, but yeah, they've yeah. got him slated. That He's way. too good of an athlete. They just He's had to the 100-meter champ in the state of Utah as well. Wow. So. Well, my old, well, my old teammate is the head coach up there, Freddie Fernandez. Freddie. There you go. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Freddie was a sophomore my senior year there. So Yeah. He's done, he's done a great job. Fred's my guy. He was my high school football coach at Northridge. Yeah, so he's he's good legendary, people. man. Yeah, he was a good player. Well, Jim, it's great to have you again. Um, we appreciate uh, all you do for us uh, to promote BYU and uh, promote the game. It's just great to have you back on campus for, for Media Day and a few other activities. Yeah, it's great to be here and look forward to coming back. All right. We give up BYU Sports Nation Carmen to our favorite people, uh, and typically good things happen when we do that. So we're going to give it to you for a speedy recovery. Yeah, so you can play in Tahoe. So just want, I don't care how good I play. I just want to be able to walk to my ball. Uh, yep. Love that. Good luck. Yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. Thanks, Jim. All right. Thank you. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. And let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. ESPN President Jimmy Patero says Texas and OU will be in the Big 12 until 2025, two years with them in the league. Why is this coming from ESPN again? Well, ESPN is the mothership and the worldwide leader, so... Uh, I don't know. Why does it come from Texas and Oklahoma? Well, because ESPN is uh, collaborating with Texas for the Longhorn Network, so maybe there's some conversations there about... Because it's going away when they go to the Exactly. So uh, we're going to keep it through 2025, so you're telling us that you're going to be in the league for two more years? They, pr- they have to, cl- they have to like, communicate Texas that, right? Texas probably wants this. They get $15 million a year from them. Yeah, because, again, it goes Longhorn Network goes away when they go to the SEC. Yeah. So no, it I- doesn't go away when BYU goes to the Big Bowl? <laughs> this is true. It continues Although I on. will keep my LinkedIn updated just in case. You should do that always just <laughs> Always in case. and forever. Yes. Yeah. BYU football did a night-themed promo shoot last night, Jerem. Is this just forward thinking and good preparation for all of those 8.15 p.m. kick times? They're actually 21 and 26, so it's even later. But uh, no, it just makes it so you can shine lights. If you yeah. do it in the daytime, you can't spend the light. No, th- this will be fun. These are always good. They'll be used in the stadium, social media, fun stuff. And speaking of, at that shoot, we got a trio of players now known as the Mustache Gang. Question what? mark, you know, football put out? Houston A. Mooley, Mason Wake, Isaac Rex. Will this be the year of the mustache? And was it inspired by Top Gun Maverick? It absolutely feels like it was inspired by Top Gun. And Rooster. Rooster. Yeah, Goose and Rooster. I literally asked someone in church on Sunday, this young guy in our ward, I was like, "What? did you have this before or after Top Gun Maverick? And he was like, before. <laughs> the only one that's really pulling off a mustache right now, by the way, based on that picture, is Houston. Houston. Houston's got it. Yeah, Houston can Isaac, pull it off. Isaac, kind of. Mason, I love you. It's not, it's not doing it for me. Yeah, the thin mustache. I can't grow a good one, so I'm not one to talk. But, yeah, <laughs> I've had a mustache on the show. In fact, how many years ago was it? I said I wouldn't shave it until the men's basketball team lost and they won like eight in a row yes it was like a month jared it like, says well this i actually want BYU to lose now 
we ask, <laughs> will this be the year of the mustache? Like, every year is the year of the mustache at BYU because that's the only facial hair you can typically grow. True, but mustaches are weird unless you can really pull it off, okay? Top Gun. And not everyone can. Top Gun making mustaches great again. You wear a hat? Saturday Touchdowns, this is an account on Twitter, presented this graphic of proposed new Big 12 rivals. Mm -hmm. They have BYU and Oklahoma State in a rivalry. Okay? Do you see BYU-Oklahoma State as the rivalry for the Cougars in the Big 12? I don't think BYU is going to have a primary rival. I think that will always be Utah. And I don't know that we can force a Utah-Colorado situation like the Pac-12 did. I, well, you can try and force it, but it doesn't work. I don't, yeah, there's not, there's not just, like, what is it in the WCC? St. Mary's. That's a competitive rival. They've done a few things that have ticked us off. We've done a few things that ticked them off. You need some of those, like, angry moments. Sure. In a, and lose a close game, win a close See, game. See, to, o- to summon that. The only one that resonates there is BYU's history with TCU because they have had some angry moments and some controversial finishes and history in the Mountain West. So for me, the answer is it's, TCU. It's just been so long, it's like very dormant. Well, for the fans, yeah. not so much, right? No one, <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's been for us because we're, Late 30s, early 40s. Like ask yeah, John. It was like 15 years ago. Ask John it's been Beck a long about that. Time. 51-50 loss at home to TCU. No, five. 17 years ago. It was a long time ago. During ESPN's College World Series broadcast yesterday, some missionaries were seen in the stands. Is this a safety zone approved activity? Yes. They're using situational awareness, understanding their environment, and enjoying the most popular thing that exists in Omaha, Nebraska, other than Nebraska football, and that is the College World Series. I love it. It's awesome. Get them out there. I didn't really do anything fun on uh, preparation days for uh, my mission, other than when we saw the anti-venom museum in Sao Paulo. I saw some of the biggest snakes I've ever seen in my life. That was awesome. Jackson Clough, double-A guy, former BYU Cougar, tweeted, it's actually six. Yep. Don't short us those precious two hours, please, Uh, because NCAA Baseball said, when you've got a ball game at one, but a commitment at four. Yeah, no, the commitment's not at four on Monday, okay? The commitment's typically start at six. Let's, can we give missionaries a full day? Can we do that? Why is it cut off at six? As a former, can we go a whole day? Jerem, you're, you're volunteering like the 80 hours guy. a week. You're the obedience guy. You can challenge the status quo. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's what's trending on BYU Sports Nation. With yesterday's BYU Football Media Day officially in the books, it's uh, time to look back on a jam-packed day of football information. Man, we soaked it up and we loved it. Uh, With big-ticket items like when's BYU going to join a P5 conference or maybe when are the Cougars going to finally play Notre Dame, those questions have already been answered. Dave, I'll ask you, what jumped out to you about BYU Media Day? There was an aura of confidence of uh, this is a great independent schedule to finish up with, and and then it's P5 and access to everything everybody else has, as opposed to... We're going to play a big independent and then hope we go undefeated or something happens where we get invited to the party. I think it was the first time, obviously, in all of the media days we've had where was there was the uh, resolution of uh, the big time is coming, so let's make this season big because of the opponents that are, that are on this schedule. Uh, I, I just felt like there was, uh, there was a calmness of, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's where we're going with a little smile on everyone's face. It, it really was. It was a different media day than we've seen in the last couple of years because there is a sense of the, the future is not so unknown anymore. Now, there's certainly things that, you know, you're still still got a lot of work to do over the next year. But, you know, the, those big questions have been answered and now it's working towards those. So I, I agree with you. There was certainly a, a different feel to yesterday. In terms of, uh, of news and notes, I, I would say probably the biggest um, news item that came out of it was uh, Big 12 conference games, and Tom Holmo uh, confirmed exactly how many games BYU and the rest of the new Big 12 will play in terms of conference games. That first year, we'll have nine games, and it's going to be either five at home or four on the road, five, five at home and four on the road, or vice versa. And uh, it'll be soon enough before we figure that out. So, Dave, that was probably maybe the, the, the biggest news that came out of it in terms of, of things, you know, questions that maybe needed to be answered. You already mentioned in the, in the headlines, uh, and it wasn't something that was brought up at Media Day, but it, it, the, the news came down yesterday about the four games with Stanford uh, that are going to be going away. Uh, I know one of the other the news items was, you know, Tom talked about how uh, it's not done yet, but they are getting closer to a season opening game oh. in 2023 because right now there's only two games on that schedule. And I think uh, it's going to be a team like a Sam Houston State or a Tulsa. There's only there's only a small group of teams that are even possible who have openings still for uh, for next season. And so, uh, you know, it's not it's not going to be Alabama, you know, and, and it doesn't have to be. But uh, it's going to allow BYU really to be in a position to win their first two home games, go to Arkansas, see what happens there. And then then you run the table with nine games in the Big 12. Um, but the, the days of uh, access to playing Stanford over Thanksgiving, right. that's that's not going to happen. And those games were canceled. Tom was uh, I was with him when those games were canceled. And he goes, yep. We're just waiting on them to do it because that's 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 how this is going to go, uh, and I, I think uh, you know I think we're interested in the opener. It it really doesn't matter who the team is per se. It's the opener in the first Big Twelve season, and that's why you know I think everyone's like, well, who are we opening with? Tennessee was going to be awesome, right? Yeah, that was no going to that was going to be so good and such a dangerous game for Tennessee. They wrote a check for two million dollars <laughs> and said, we'll come visit Utah in the off season. We are not bringing our team. And that's too bad, but that's the reality of they can't afford to have a loss. Right. That's true. Look, and then that's that's what the the schedule that we as as BYU fans and media members have experienced over the last decade plus, that that just that's it, that is now a thing of the past. You know, being able to to have some early games to where you can get some victories and and maybe even as important as getting the wins heading into your conference play, staying healthy heading into those games. And speaking of health, I think that was something else that stood out was, was for the most part, this team is going to be healthy heading into the season. That was something else that a lot of people talked about. You know, guys like Isaac Rex, I know that uh, we, um, Aaron Roderick mentioned that he, he's, he's certainly hopeful that Isaac Rex will be ready to go for game one. I, I think, Dave, one of the things that really stood out to me from a big picture standpoint was, look, expectations for this team are high and there's a reason for it. They're really good. One of the things I really liked was this team seemed to lean into that. And, and it was not a boastful type situation. They, they know how, how good they are. They know the talent they have. But they also know this team is putting in the work to be good. I like that they didn't run away from those expectations. And I think the health of the team fueled that. That's the undercurrent of, of the day. And that's why 
That's why they lean into those expectations. Yeah. That's why they, they speak with confidence because right now they're all healthy. Sure. Uh, and, and Rex, who was still limping around a little bit, um, he's going to be ready for game one. That's, that's the hope, that's, yeah. That's what Aaron Roderick said. So we'll see about that. But um, we had Peyton Wilgar and, and Keenan Peely on uh, State of the Program. Peely next week gets the all clear on his ACL rehab. How huge is that? Uh, and Wilgar is going to be all clear from his two shoulder surgeries uh, for camp. And, and those two guys were the guys. Uh, and then this Ben Bywater, here comes Peely with a sack. Peely had 17 tackles against Arizona. He was huge against Arizona State and then lost for the season against Utah. Wilgar right there kind of had to switch roles with Peely out. And his productivity with sacks and, and things changed because now he's in a different position. And then here comes Ben Bywater, a walk-on, right. who ends up leading the team in tackles. We saw him in the spring. He's huge. He, and now, now all those three are together with Max Tooley and Pepe Tanavasa has, has come back to the linebacking group. So you got five right there, all with starting experience. And, um, and, and so why aren't they walking around going, man, we can't wait. We can't wait. They feel good, and they know they are good. Yeah. Um, and, and, the, and when we played that bowl game, none of those guys were playing, except for, for Bywater, who, who was an Iron Man sure. after all that. Um, and it's especially in those positions. So that's just one area of the team. And I, I think that health undercurrent permeates throughout. Uh, there's no foot problem for Jaron Hall. Didn't play in the bowl game. Uh, there's, there's Chris Brooks, who's healthy in the backfield to run. Puka Nakua is healthy. Gunnar Romney's healthy. Gunnar missed some games last year. Um, Keanu Hill, healthy. That offensive line. Beast and healthy. Yes. So, and then you move to the defense, you get the same story uh, in the secondary and the guys up front. So I, I think health was a huge undercurrent of why do these guys feel so good? Because they feel because, good. Yeah, they feel good and they, yeah. I, I just like the fact that, because a lot of times, you know, like, well, we, 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 don't, we don't want to acknowledge that there's expectations because we, we don't want to put it in players' minds that they've arrived because we still want them to work. And that's just, that's just not the DNA of this team. That's not the DNA of this coaching staff that they've implemented. And I, I just I liked hearing it. And look, and I'm not breaking any news here. This is, this is common sense. But this BYU defense, its success will be determined by its front seven. And I loved hearing from Elisa Tuiaki when he said that the defensive line, which has taken criticism over the last couple of years, and obviously he's been hurt with injuries as well. We talked about the linebacking core. Defensive line's been the same. He says he feels like right now the defensive line is three deep, that anybody on the three deep he can put in and he feels comfortable with them getting reps. I love to hear that. Hey, when they were healthy, uh, Utah scored 16 points, Arizona State, or maybe 17. Arizona State, same thing. Arizona, 16 points. Washington State, with their starting quarterback, on the road, scored 19 points. They did enough when healthy to beat all of those teams in the Pac-12. And when unhealthy, they had to beat USC 35-31. to 31. They had to score some yep. more points. Um, I, I, I like what, what Tuiaki's got going, and I like the areas of concern where he wants to get better. All right, our question of the day is this. What was the one thing that jumped out to you during BYU Media Day? Let's get to Voice of the Nation. This is The Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. We go to Instagram for our first response. At Noble Dunn uh, says, As frustrating and annoying as independence was sometimes, yesterday helped show why it paid off and got us to a position to be the front runners for a P5 invite. It, it really was a, a celebration of a lot of hard work that now it's it's 
looking ahead to what you know is going to be reality in a little over a year. And what's cool is no one knew it was coming. They just hoped. Yeah, sure. Work really hard and hope. There was zero sign that they were going to go to a P5 until Oklahoma and Texas just decided they were going to leave. One big domino fell. And then all of a sudden, we're the first one in. But until then, nothing. And you just grind it and grind it and hope. And so when that day arrives and you look back and go, you know, here we are. It's just extra sweet. Uh, this from at Twiggier Stone, and uh, he says Aaron Roderick's mustache. <laughs> he says, I think that was the reason the offense is clicking. Opposing defenses look at the sideline, and when they see his mustache, their first thought is, how can we defend an offense run by a man with such a glorious stash? Look, I, uh, I'm going to break a little news here. Aaron Roderick's mustache has convinced me. I'm going on vacation tomorrow. I think twice before. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I am committing think, for the summer. Think twice. I'm, I'm, I'm going to become text stash your guy. Wife first. Text, I, text your wife first. I am, I am going to become stash guy. So when I return, <laughs> because when I, the first day I'm back, I'm, I'm on this show. I will have a mustache. Okay, look, before you, before you completely buy in on that, remember the thing Jerem once did? He said he'd shave his head at BYU. Yes. Yeah, he had to shave his head. I'm going to grow a mustache. we all paid the price <laughs> for him shaving his I'm head. committing. I am committing for the summer to have a mustache. Aaron Roderick's it's a, glorious it's a Roderick mustache. Is it a mustache or is it going to be um, like the volleyball coach, Olmstead's mustache? Again, a really good stash. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Are you, are you, okay. are you saying no. Sean Olmstead's mustache no. is not good? Because no, I not, got to see it up close I'm and I thought saying it was it. I'm just fantastic. Saying, I'm just wondering what pattern you're following. Okay. Are you following Olmstead or Roderick? Look, this, when I come back, stash. you're going to be like, hey, you're going to need those glasses because you're going to go, is that Tom Selleck? <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going to think when I see you next. All right, well, good luck with that. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe uh, you and I'll be doing the show, and you'll, and you'll get to see it in all of its glory. Can't wait. I've, in fact, I volunteer right now for that. For <laughs> okay. That all right. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Our second guest of this two-hour special is the athletic director, Tom Holmo, back in studio. Tommy? Hey, hey, hey. That's a Jim McMahon reference, right? Hey, he called you Tommy Tommy, Homo. We believe he's the only person that's uh, been granted access to do that. Is is there anybody else on that list? There's a little bit of a story behind this. I grew up in La Crescenta, California. It's about 20 minutes from the Rose Bowl. And everybody in – that was my name, Tommy. And when I came to BYU, I figured, you know, I'm going to be Tom at BYU. And there was a stadium announcer at the time at Lavelle Stadium, best, better back then known as Cougar Stadium, named Karchner, Ken Karchner or okay. something like that. And the first tackle I ever made, he said, tackle by Tommy Holmo. He, Ken Karchner, called me Tommy Holmo my whole career, but was the only one in Utah, except for Jim McMahon. Okay. <laughs> I asked Jim. He was, he, rem- he obviously, you know. Concussions over time, you forget stuff. He remembered a ton of details of a lot of things. But I said, do you remember Tom Homo? Did he pick you off in practice? And he goes, I don't remember. It's been about 40-plus years. <laughs> Did you pick off Jim? Both of us, our memories are a little bit slow these <laughs> days. But my recollection serves me well. 
I think I got one or two. One or two. So, like, eight or nine. Okay. Tom Homo with us on Media Day. Let's start with the upcoming season. And you just went through the schedule and state of the program with Dave McCann, and we've been clamoring about this roster, which is loaded with talent and NFL draft projections. What has you most excited about the 2022 season and the roster as you push forward in the final year of independence? Well, I think it's just the, the state of where we are now. A lot has been said about personnel is what wins games. You have to have a great quarterback. You have to have a strong offensive and defensive line. And then if you have kind of stars a little bit here and here, maybe a corner or wide receiver running back, you don't need them all. But you got to be tough up front on both sides of the ball, and you got to have a great quarterback. And I think right now we're in a position where we've grown through the years. Kalani's put together kind of slowly, some people say, but a real solid uh, roster, and I'm looking forward to every one of these games and the matchups because sometimes a solid uh, roster might not match up against a particular team, and that's the beauty of football games is when coaches go to start um, putting forward that game plan, they start to see weaknesses. They see strengths, but they also see weaknesses, and that's kind of the part I look forward to. It's very exciting because obviously people want to talk about the Big 12 and push forward, and they should. Like, you're building a house or you're engaged to get wet. Like, you're excited about the future. But not at the cost of this group uh, and this schedule. How do you feel about uh, this, the final independent schedule you put together and, and how it kind of shakes out as it lays out? I think it's a really good schedule, obviously, but I think maybe 24, 25, 26, 27, those schedules were wicked. <laughs> there were going to be some tougher ones that you won't see. You'll never know what I did, the craziness, <laughs> but you'll see this one, and this one's a, a really good schedule. And, and you go to South Florida. That's the re- uh, return game. Baylor at home is really interesting. This feels like 83 and 84 where, yes, BYU lost there, but come back, you try and get that one at home, of course. At Oregon in week three on Fox is going to be amazing. The old Mountain West homies, right, in the last kind of chapter with Utah State for a moment. Notre Dame finally on the schedule, Tom. You don't have to get asked about it. (laughs) What what are the tickets? Arkansas. (laughs) It's wild, Tom, that the SEC has only come to Provo. This will be the third game, second team. It's hard to get them here, but here we are with Arkansas this year. You know, I feel good about that. Uh, We had to let go of some of the games in the future that were really big-time games, but this is one that we could keep. And you could only keep three games knowing that you're playing a nine-game schedule. And so to determine those games, you kind of had to see which ones were early. And the ones that were the P5 schools were kind of the ones that were early. So this is a schedule um, where – you get them all. But in 23, that first year in the Big 12, you know, you had to, it was, it's a little tougher than maybe you might expect. Now, the schedule is 23 schedule. Yeah. You're saying. For sure. The schedule in 2022 is loaded with quote unquote vengeance games. I mean, the USF game is interesting, especially for Jaron Hall, because it was his first start back in 2019. He goes back, it's an entirely different player, entirely different roster, more matured. Then you get Baylor to come back. Obviously, Baylor's the defending Big 12 champions, but they're coming to Provo. And then what Boise State did to BYU in Provo last year. So, do you buy into that at all? Do you feel that? We talk about it, the vengeance. Like, but do you, as the athletic director, do you feel that? Not one bit. Not at all. I don't, I don't believe in that. I just think that 
every game, you got to take a look at it for what it is that game that day. And you look like, again, I'm stuck on the matchups. I just, sometimes you go into games that you could list right now and you think that will have a great advantage. But you come into the game and if there's an injury or something, it's raining or who knows. Those things can change, and I love that part about the games is I like to take them a game at a time. The proverbial coach speak, I'll take it a game at a time. Otherwise, you have vengeance on your mind? I don't buy that. That's reserved for us here. That's fine. Uh, (laughs) Um, Okay, so have you been told what the 23 schedule is going to be? Like who you're going to play and if it's a five home, four roads? No, we haven't. We, gotcha. we know that it'll be five. Well, I'm not sure exactly what it'll be for us, but it'll be five home and or four home and the right. other Right, you'll way. rotate each you Rotate away. So yeah. we don't, and we don't know the games for sure, the teams. Do you want BYU to be in the, because some power five schools do this, in the seven home game space in the future? Um, I'm not quite sure about that. We'll have to see how that works out. I'm not, we'll see sometimes like in the past I'm going to tell you we had a game where uh, one season where I think we played seven one season and the fans complained because the tickets were too much I said no it's just one extra game yeah. over the season tickets are more expensive no yeah. it's one extra game <laughs> you're paying for it you, you got bills to pay but I think yeah. we'll see we'll see how it works out because if it's a five home game year there's a good chance you have two home games of the three non-conference, right? Yeah, but we could we could jimmy our non-conference games and play, make it so you just play six True. home games. And you mentioned with Dave, you don't have a theory per se at this moment of, yes, we always want one P5, one G5, one FCS. Will you still play an FCS every year? Is that I a, believe we probably? will, yes, I believe okay. we will. And then you're open to the idea of multiple P5s, it sounds like, in non-conference. We could. I think it just depends on who, when, where, yeah. and why. Yes. And those are things that Kalani and I talk about a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. there's this team that we're playing in 20. Uh, three in the opener we didn't have a there weren't very many teams out there but still even though there weren't very many we looked at the rosters we looked at their um, their record and kind of their brand and Kalani doesn't just let things fly sometimes out there he'll just say you know anywhere anytime any place but he's very thoughtful about the games yeah, that he plays sure. which is I want him to be yeah do you know if that's home you know if it's home or road can you tease oh, us it, on that oh it'll be home because it was a Tennessee game it was a home right i assumed as much but one correct sure. when do you expect to be able to announce uh, who that opponent will we're be we're just waiting on that team to kind of countersign some things we're close we're very very close what was it like at the Big 12 spring meetings, finally being in those meetings? And, and you had been in Vegas, had some other meetings, but now it's like, that felt like the formal sort of welcome publicly, I guess? Um, I think so. The meetings, there was some important business, and, and some of it was just natural business of the conference that every conference in the country is going to go through. But it was interesting to start to see the personalities and to see the kind of the power brokers, <laughs> and you kind of try to get a feel. And we just kind of sat back, and we, we should. We have to be respectful of our entrance into that room. Not necessarily be respectful in the games, but in the room, <laughs> we need to be super respectful and find our way and see where we fit in that room. And, and I think that's important for us. Was that room awkward because Texas and Oklahoma and the whole deal? Not really. I mean, I think the individual um, athletic directors, we've known each other for a long, long time. And you go to battle with those guys, you play them in games, and sometimes you have votes in the NCAA or comments or 
um, opinions on national things. And you, you all know that you might be different. But when you get in a room and it's a conference, even though you have Texas and Oklahoma on their way out, they're very, very professional. And I thought the business at hand was taken care of in a great manner. Athletic Director Tom Homo with us on BYU Sports Nation. The Cougars approaching the 12th season of independence. I can't believe this is the 12th season. It's, it's wow. just flown by, but it's full of great history. What do you feel like is the greatest accomplishment by BYU's athletic department and the football team within now almost 12 seasons of independence? You know, I look at all the highlights and the different games, and there's, it's hard to slice that. I'll leave that one up to you guys. I'm not good on lists of the top 10. But uh, I just think that, like I said it earlier in the show, when you look back, it's sometimes good for me to see the difficult times. Yeah. There's some things that I just wouldn't share, but there were some low points in independence for me that we never really talk about. And so the fact that we got through it, and that was the objective, was to get from independence into a P5, yeah. is you look back and you see those low points, and, and I think Cougar Nation shared in some of those low points <laughs> that we got through it. And we got to, you know, the desired goal. So I, I love that part. But if you, I love how BYU TV has all those highlights. And I was watching them in the, the pre-roll before the show started, thinking that was all during independence? That's crazy. And, uh, you know, those players and coaches gave, gave Cougar Nation a lot of thrills during that time. It was beautiful. Do you want to play Utah every year when you're in the Big 12? Um, I think I do. Yeah, I think that's something that, but it won't. It won't happen. I mean, I'm just for everybody to know, Utah will have some games that are big games, like they have in these beyond this Florida. year. Yeah, beyond Florida, and you'll probably have and, some and opportunities we might too. too. Yeah, and I yeah. think that we can. Uh, Mark Harlan, their um, athletic director, and I have a, a real good understanding about that. Not that we're reserving spots to go play, but when the opportunity comes up and it's something special, I think we each can come to each other and say, hey, here's an opportunity that we have that we think is something special. I think that the Utah game is a great, great rivalry. But once the first game wasn't played, where the first time we took a break, once that happens and everybody – just falls apart about it. Then the next time, it's not quite so bad. Uh, but it's a great rivalry, and I think the games will be even more meaningful in the future. Well, if you're Ken Karchner or Jim McMahon, you can call him Tommy Homo. <laughs> but if you're not one of those guys, he's just Tom. Tom Thomas. Okay? Thomas Homo. He's Tom. Yes. Tom, it's great to have you in Studio B. Thanks, Looking Tom. forward to a fantastic have 2022. Fun. Let's have a great year. You Let's go. It. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Cougar Whip Around is presented by Marisk, your integrated container logistics company enabling global trade for a growing world. Tonight's the NBA draft, and the last time BYU had someone drafted was Jimmer in 2011. How long until the Cougars get another player drafted? Mm, that's a good question. Look, there's obviously no way of knowing, but you do have some very high caliber players coming in. The highest is actually leaving on his mission. Maybe, was it, it was yesterday, correct, I believe? So. Colin Chandler, uh, Sierra Leone, is on his way. Like that, so it it, let's be. say if Colin's the best chance right now in the program, you're probably, what, four or five years away from that? Yeah. Maybe so, four or five years, maybe? What do you think? I think you're right. I think Colin Chandler is the next, and I, I think Mark Hope believes that too. Yeah. 
Uh, BYU fans should be excited to get him Very back. excited. Eli Manning put on the headband and sunglasses when he was hanging out with Jim McMahon. That's right, Eli Manning in town. But who wears the headband and the sunglasses better? What do you think, Dave? Uh, no one uh, beats McMahon on the headband or the sunglasses. But I'm, I'm as equally entertained watching the Manning brothers post-football as I was when they were playing football. They, uh, they have they carved out going. quite a post-career career. Yeah. They, they're hilarious. And I was over at the stadium when all that was going on. Did you hang out with Eli? I didn't hang out, but the entourage of, of uh, they're shooting for Eli's place. Uh, you know, it was an army of cameramen. I'm like, okay, that's that's a big-time day for Eli and McMahon and, and Ty. That, uh, that episode will get huge ratings here in the state of Utah. Absolutely will. Ohio State gets a trademark on the, like the Ohio State. What should BYU file to get a trademark on? On the word the? Seriously, they get the word the. Uh, yeah, I, but they say the because it's the Yeah, okay, Ohio true. State yes, okay, true. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know. You said something earlier. Is Cougar Coug- Tail is trademark. Cougar Tail is trademark. That yeah. is trademark. Yeah, that's all big business for BYU. Really? Okay. Here's what I, I don't know. How about, uh, I don't know if it's not used a whole lot elsewhere, but what about Lavelle? Can you trademark? Trademark like, Lavelle? Like, keep, make sure nobody can, can do anything with, name? I don't know. But, like, just make sure nobody can do anything with Lavelle. Trade honor code. Trademark honor code. Yeah, I thought of that one, too. Now, more schools should use one. How about this one? Arch Manning, this was just announced just a few minutes ago. Arch Manning, the nephew of Peyton and Eli, son of Cooper, announces his commitment to the University of Texas. Makes it interesting with BYU joining the Big 12. He is for the class of 2023. We obviously know that's when all these new schools go in. Will BYU play Arch Manning as a member of the Big 12? Big win for former Cougar quarterback Steve Sarkeesian. It's quite possible. They've got Quinn Ewers, a redshirt freshman, who's supposed to be the next great thing. And then you got the next great Manning, if, if that's going to work out for him. Uh, and then Sarkeesian will have a decision. Do I play McMahon or do I play Wilson? <laughs> You know, on paper, that's what those guys look like. I hope BYU gets a chance to play Texas twice, and then whoever's the quarterback, but it could be Archman. Look, I'm expecting it. I can't imagine Manning committing to a school and not having part of his commitment be I'm starting day one. I'd like to hear about his NIL. (laughs) All right, so you sent out a tweet yesterday. Um, Thoughts on these donuts from Media Day. Is this a better option than the Cougar Tail? Did you see these donuts? I, no, I, I could even not see believe them. how realistic the, those legit looked like hands. I, it was it was very realistic, and I did not get one of them. I did not eat one of them, but I cannot tell you how many people said they would actually have that over a Cougar Tail because some people aren't maple fans. Um, I'm not a maple fan. I, I'm not a huge maple donut fan myself, so I would choose the hand donut. But wouldn't you be biting the hand that feeds you? Okay, you've been waiting this entire show to say that. And earlier this morning from our staff meeting. Uh, I'd, 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 I'd eat that. I'd, I won't eat a, a cougar tail, but put some chocolate on the put some chocolate on the fingernails there. And I, think you got, I think you got something. Yeah, that doesn't sound Let me right. tell you, no, but you, you may have something there. Little, little chocolate on the fingernails and the, uh, seriously whoever made those i don't know if that was on campus or if that was an outside entity send well some done send some over well done on those donuts join the conversation 24 7 on twitter instagram and facebook using the hashtag byusn the best of byu sports nation rolls on after this
Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Happy to have our next guest on the program. Saw him uh, yesterday. It's always good when you get to see Riley Nelson uh, in the flesh. Uh, he was at Media Day yesterday doing some stuff with Greg Rubel on BYU Radio. And he joins us now here on BYU Sports Nation, former Cougar quarterback, current radio analyst. Riley, like I said, it was good to see you yesterday. How are things? It's always good to be seen. And yeah, being down there just reminds me that uh, I'm not down there enough. You know, I make it down there quite frequently, but it's never enough to return back home and uh, and be around all the guys and, and see all of you. And especially when we get to talk ball. There's Well, there's no question about that. I've always said more Riley, more Riley Nelson is always good. There's no downside to more Riley Nelson. Riley, is there, are you the most beaten up BYU quarterback in school history? Uh, oh, Taysom had yeah. some, uh, Everyone seemed to get dinged up, but I just know you finished the, your career with, like, I think it was a broken back. So it was finally revealed what Jaron's injuries were last year. I tore the cartilage that connects his ribs. I had that same injury. Uh, I actually had it twice. I had it my junior and my senior year. But once I finally was feeling better from the back, I, I had that in the San Jose State game, which was – our second to last game my senior year and it's hard to say like obviously the guys that went on to the I do not I will never try and compare uh, you know injuries and and you know bones sticking out and cartilage tears to, to guys like Jim or Steve or those guys that had long careers in the pro that's a completely different level but um, at BYU you know my deal was I never like I always all my injuries like brought me to the edge but not enough to knock me out like I'd say probably unquestionably taste him but all of his were like season enders right and I were like oh you know, miss a week and come back. It's just more, but you're playing at 80%. So you're more of a sitting duck to take more punishment. But given the chance to do it all over again, I wouldn't have changed a thing. Yeah, uh, you're a warrior. You you uh, you gave it all. That's yeah, for sure. That's a it's a it's a good uh, it's a good phrase to describe you. So Riley, you know, Dave and I in the last segment we went over the, the news items from yesterday's media day and our takeaways. What stood out to you from BYU football media day yesterday? The um. So doing a lot and being a back when I was a player, a participant, and then now uh, being a member of the media and being involved in in probably a half dozen of these now, uh, not it was like a calm or it's like a sense of um, self, like self-esteem. Basically, the hype, there was a lot of talk about all the potential for the season, but it always felt backed by work that's been done previously, where before it's like they're making comments about how good they think they're going to be or the success that they think they're going to have, kind of based on like a hope and a prayer. It's kind of like, oh, well, we're really excited about this new thing and that new thing. And now it's like, listen, we were really good last year. We know we're going to be really good this year. The question is, are we going to go from really good to great? and elite that's what we're after and that's what we're putting in the work to achieve that for me was uh, there was just a different tone where guys felt secure in saying we know we're going to be good the question is not that the question is are we going to be elite which makes me really excited one thing i noticed with quarterback jaron hall as he gets ready for what could be his his final season he's got two years of eligibility remaining but there was an aura about him of uh i don't know if it's confidence um comfortability comfortability there he just seemed to be very in a good place for a for a guy with a big schedule ahead what'd you notice with Jaron? i i was able to catch him like off air just you know a couple of byu quarterbacks chatting over in the corner and i'll, I'll be honest guys last year when they were saying it's a quarterback competition i i didn't really 
I, and keep in mind, I didn't have as much access. I wasn't at practice day in, day out. I didn't see how they divided up reps, but I was like, let they're doing this. Cause you know, Zach's leaving and they need to replace him and they need to say, but like, it's obvious that it's Jaron, like Jaron's the guy. He told me that it was a full on, like he had, he had no uh, like assurances. He, it was complete blank slate as to whether or not he was going to win the job last year. So for him, he just said that not having to deal with a competition within his own quarterback room has allowed him to focus on other elements of his game, which has brought an even he's already a very naturally like poised and collected player and individual. And it's brought an, an added level of that. And then one thing, one comment that A-Rod made that I liked was, OK, now he's not competing uh, with the other quarterbacks in the room, but he's got competitors across the landscape of college football. That by the names of Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, like the who's who of the top quarterbacks at the top schools. That's who Jaron Hall's gunning for. And so to be able to take his to elevate his sights for his own QB room to go, you know, be mentioned in the same breath as those guys. Uh, really exciting. Riley Nelson joining us here on BYU Sports Nation. And look, expectations are high for Jaron Hall. They're high for this team. And rightfully so. This team is really, really good and should do really great things this year. And one of the things, Riley, that I really liked yesterday and, and quite frankly stood out to me was that this team, and not in a cocky way, they leaned into those expectations. They were not hiding from that. Do you like hearing the teams lean into those expectations? I do because I have faith in Kalani. So I was, um, I, I, as, as the coaches were doing their, you know, it was the open kind of round table and they were each giving interviews and we were allowed to kind of go from table to table and listen, kind of drop in on what was being asked and answered. And Preston Hadley was asked a question about, you know, it's one of, I, I don't know the exact number, but it's one of very few staffs across college football that returns everybody. And they've made some very key additions in the form of analysts and, and other people on the staff. They've grown the staff, but they return each of the offensive, defensive staff, and head coaches, which is a which is a rare luxury in today's college football. And Preston Hadley was asked why that was, and he's just like, he goes, I got one word for you, Kalani. So the fact that the players, the reason why I'm okay with the players talking that is because it is real. Like what Kalani preaches and the way that he builds the program, and he's player friendly and he gives them freedom and all that stuff. But it the only reason he can give freedom is because he's built upon a foundation of like Guys, there is no entitlement here. Everything is only done through hard work and dedication, focus to your craft. Once that's done, then yeah, we can have fun and we can be brothers and, and we can have more freedom. But it's that confidence in Kalani's ability to establish what the product on the field has already proven, uh, that these guys aren't all taught. They are all stake, no sizzle. And on, in, a, in a forum like Media Day, where you're given the opportunity to talk about yourself, I was glad to see that they don't shy away. They don't give that faux, you know, self-deprecating, that faux humility. They're like, yeah, we know we're good. The question is, are we going to be great? And that kind of mentality heading into a season with this much returning talent, uh, it's hard for me. BYU fans, including myself, already have a hard enough time tempering expectations. But after yesterday, throw that out the window. Let's go, baby. <laughs> I was uh, driving into the show today, and I, and I was reminded – that we are in the entertainment business on this end of the camera and down on the field and on the microphone. And um, we get so serious about so many things. Certainly our fan base does. Um, but at, in the entertainment business, and you look at the schedule coming up and, and, and everything you just said a moment ago, the word fun comes to mind when we get into August 
and then this schedule finally finally kicks off. And that's that's what it's all about uh, for for all of us and and for the fans. Uh, and this is a very fun schedule with a good team. I love so many elements about it. Um, you know, you start off, can we go event, you know, Jaron Hall returning three seasons later or two seasons, depending on how you do your math, but basically can he avenge that 2019 law back in Raymond James stadium, the house of the bucks against the South Florida bulls. And then, you know, he coming back home and then you head all of a sudden to Autzen stadium, which is one of, you know, it's the rowdiest. And after the beating that BYU gave the Pac-12 last year, right, is or are they relying on Oregon to avenge that loss? And then you look for at the end of September, that first week of October with that Notre Dame game, guys, which like I'm not a player anymore. But the fact that those that those dudes and look, we kind of those that know knew that it was coming when we did the two for one with them. We already kind of knew that they were going to bail and find any way possible to not make it to Provo. So I'm OK with the compromise in Vegas I just really want to send those dudes home with an L I just <laughs> some about it man I don't know if it's the shiny gold helmets or the fact that they were ducking you know coming into Lavelle Edwards Stadium that would be so sweet and then you know you mix in some old Mountain West rivalries with Utah State and Wyoming that we're probably not going to see ever again or, or at least very intermittently like you know decades between games and then to finish off um, with the September, uh, like especially in Palo Alto, where I think Stanford's on the rebound. And anytime you go in to play a David Shaw team, I mean, it's just littered with excitement week in, week out. I can't I, I'm just tickled the fact that I get to be on the call week in and week out and watch this team prove all the things that we think they can be and that they are working towards being on the field in the fall. Even with all of the positive hype, no coach is ever going to feel like their team is a finished product, that, they, that there's not a place for improvement. For you, with roughly five weeks from the start of camp, where's the biggest area of improvement for you or maybe the biggest unknown heading into the year? Um, the health of the linebackers, those dudes took a beating last year. Well, basically, not just the linebackers, it's the front seven. Uh, I feel pretty good on the offensive line and uh, feel pretty good about Brooks uh, coming in and replace. You know, I don't know if he's going to be the only one, but I feel pretty good about someone from that running back room emerging. Obviously not being Tyler Algier, but but serving that role in the offense. It's an embarrassment of riches uh, on the outside. And of course, we already t- uh, meaning uh, between tight ends and wide receivers. And then we've already talked about Jaron. So for me, most of my questions are uh, on the defense and this defense is the core of it is the front seven. It's how good it can that D-line and those linebackers stop the run and create – in Coach in Greg and I's interview with Coach Tuiaki on, on Behind the Mic yesterday, he went on probably a five-minute monologue. It was great. Go, I, I encourage fans who are interested in the technical aspect of the game, go back and listen to it, uh, where he talks about, yeah, interceptions are great and and all these things that the fans look at, but it all starts – interceptions and sacks and all that are great, but it all starts with the guys up front doing the boring jobs, doing the non-sexy jobs. So um, with the, the front four that kind of at times, especially when you look at the ball game, UAB kind of came right at them, hit them right in the mouth, and I don't know that they were ready to kind of answer the challenge. I think that they recognize that are going to respond. And then that linebacking core that just – kind of wore, did their best to battle week in, week out, but wore down. Can those guys return to full health? And can those uh, can the front four answer the challenge that they were kind of left with towards the end of the season last year and really be a hallmark of this BYU defense? That's the biggest thing I'm excited to have. That's the biggest question I, I am to have answered and the biggest thing to see these players prove. Five weeks now until camp. That's not very long. 
uh, as you think back to your playing days, what goes on between now and when the players report um, to get themselves ready for the season away from, from the coaching staff? So uh, at least from a physical standpoint, you're, it switches more from – so uh, winter conditioning is almost 100% about muscle and a little bit about keeping general conditioning. Then spring is about competition, kind of position development, getting a feel for your squad. Then you come out of spring and you still have a heavy period where maybe it's not as much like, like building muscle, but it's about explosion. It's still very focused on, on lifting and getting stronger and getting bigger now you start heading, you know, end of June into July, and it becomes far more about speed, conditioning, and position mastery. So it's more nuanced. It's more about uh, the time, you know, peak perform, um, and, and that. And then finally, heading into camp, it's about taking a big, deep breath, decompressing, spending time away from the game with family and friends, so that when you report to camp, you are just chomping at the bit, ready to go. Hey, I wanted to ask you something that uh, that was uh, part of the news cycle over the last week, uh, and it's quarterback related for BYU. What did you make of Jay Keeps becoming the personal quarterback coach for uh, for Russell Wilson with the Denver Broncos? It, it's pretty cool to think because you have you have heaps in that situation. We obviously know what John Beck has done with Zach Wilson and a bunch of other quarterbacks. Max Hall does stuff. Ty Detmer's done stuff. What, what what did you what did you make of that news and and sort of the the prominence of BYU quarterbacks uh, from a coach? perspective it just proves that qbu qbu of the 80s and early 90s did not go anywhere the the dynamics of college football shifted where basically the davy the davy o'brien awards the heisman trophy winners you know those are going those just simply aren't going to non-power five quarterbacks they aren't i can't i don't know if you guys know the last non-p5 guy to win one but it just it just doesn't happen anymore now that byu's back in the p5 we're more in contention but that shifted, and that was outside BYU's control. But what it shows is that QBU never ceased to exist. We don't get just dudes that can throw the rock around. These are guys who have dedicated their life. They love the game of football. They dedicate their life to the game of football. They're darn good at the game of football. And even in the case of Jake, you know, like circumstances around his career, maybe it didn't play out on the field like he – but but that doesn't take away from the fact that the dude loves ball, that the dude knows how to, um, how to coach ball, right, that he – he developed mastery of the game to be able to pass on to the next generation and to have that recognized by what, by what is going to be a future Hall of Fame quarterback. And then, you know, John Beck was involved yesterday. You look at what Max is doing down in Arizona, building his program. You look at what Doman did as his stint, you know, being a, a coordinator and a coach. Like, honestly, guys, it's making me feel bad that I, that I put a headset on and talking to a mic for my contribution <laughs> <laughs> for Paul's playing career BYU. But, but no, I mean, it's just what BYU it, – it, it's the legacy – we are still seeing the, you know, the fruits of the legacy that Lavelle left, which means anybody that comes through BYU, any quarterback that comes through BYU is not your average guy. He's a guy who's got something special to it, and we're seeing it manifest in all sorts of post-career ways. Riley Nelson on with us on this Southpaw Thursday because Steve Young's coming up next. You know, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. For Southpaw. Hey, Riley, if you, uh, if you were on the field behind this line and with these receivers – and uh, with Brooks behind you, how many um, how many reps do you think you could do before you tap out? <laughs> yeah, I think I can make it through at least a quarter and a half. All right, that's pretty good. That's pretty and that's good. hey, listen, that's not because the pro would break down or anything like that. That's because I couldn't help myself, but I'd get out running around, and then basically <laughs> after maybe one or two hits, the you know the thirty five year old body give in. Yeah, yeah, those, the younger body takes those a little bit better. Yeah, just, the mind is willing, better. but. 
the the heart and mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I think that would become very apparent first time I tried to leave the pocket and make one of those old plays I was famous for. All right, brother. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Great insights thanks, as Riley. always. Look forward to listening to you all fall. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, fellas. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Well, in preparation for Media Day, the great Steve Young sat down with BYU TV to talk about his thoughts on independence and what the expectations for the Cougars are in the Big 12. Right at the top of his thought process, uh, BYU should be proud of what they got done this last decade outside of a conference. Let's listen. We've hung in there. We've, you know, our greatest feat, acrobatic miracle feat, is that we've hung in there and uh, made a space to go beat uh, Nebraska and, and Texas. I mean, we've just, we've gone around the country and people, people fear us in that we don't know what, watch out for BYU. So in that way, uh, independence has been hard and nothing to like, you know, tell everyone, oh, that was, you know, that's the, that's the best place to be in the world. No, it's a hard place to be. And I give Tom, I give the whole athletic department and President Worthen, it's, it's hazard pay to be independent. And so where, we, where we've come from before, from the last, in the last 30, 40 years, is that we're, we're more established, you know? Uh, and we hung in there in a really tough environment, trying to bang the door down on a Power Five conference. And we just kept banging. And I think that's something to be very proud of. Well, and look, BYU should be very proud of the fact that through all the ups and downs over the decade plus, uh, as Steve said, they hung in there. They, they did what they needed to do to be ready when the opportunity presented itself, and BYU absolutely should feel proud of that. I like what he said. We're done with hazard pay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve went on to say early in the, uh, in the Big 12, expectations from sport to sport vary, but there's only one mentality that you're supposed to have going forward. You know that there's, there, you know, some of the Olympic sports were going to be great. Volleyball, uh, soccer, we're going to be, we're going to be right in the mix. Uh, basketball is going to be fits and starts. Like we'll, we'll probably be middle of the pack, I would suspect. In uh, football, I, I think that we have to think of ourselves as leaders in the Big 12. We have to, in our minds, that's who we are. And we have to recruit that way. We have to play that way. We have to coach that way. And obviously there's a lot of, challenges right now with everyone with uh, name image and likeness so we're gonna it's the wild west but we need to and football is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna lead the pack the big 12 that's what we're gonna do i kind of like to have him at quarterback i wouldn't mind having i like to have him back at quarterback and i love the attitude you have to go in you can't tell me that the other three that are going in with byu don't feel the same way they should absolutely all right now for fans how should fans feel here's more from steve we have the elements, coach, offensive coordinator, locked in, contracts, proven recruiters. Now with the Big 12 behind them, we don't get beat. Uh, we should be able to start to bring in uh, even uh, better recruits. And we have history on our side. We have an expectation of how we're going to throw the ball. We're going to throw it. We're gonna, that's who we are. We, we, everyone knows who we are. I think there's some... So something to that, like, what, who is BYU? We know BYU. We know their coach. We know what they're going to do. Um, and so I think that that comes into the Big 12 with a, 
there are going to be a lot of expectations, and I think we should we should we should uh, step into those shoes. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go win the Big Twelve, and that's how we're gonna roll. We do some with that duck. <laughs> Henri Duck. You know what we should what we should do is put the theme to Patton underneath uh, uh, Quite the motivator. orders because it's like yeah let's 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 do that what he said yeah well look and and Steve obviously Steve is part of BYU's glory days and so for him to be able to be a part of that part of BYU's history and to see how excited he is and the expectations he has going in should get everybody excited. Steve is that not only that he is the number one. Former Cougar athletes, that there's no one that tops him in yeah, the world. Yeah, no, agreed. For credibility and enthusiasm and love, they all have it. But but he's he's up here, and we're all down here, <laughs> and so it's fun to listen to him. You're like, yeah, let's do that. When Steve let's talks, go. you listen. Yeah, he speaks the truth. <laughs> he speaks it according to Steve. Yeah, well, that's and true. we all read that. We're like, that must be how it is. That's right. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday. For the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.